Hey, Coach Arlen here. What do Walt Disney, Andrew Carnegie, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Edison, and FDR all have in common? They shared one secret that propelled them to achieve remarkable success. They each belonged to a mastermind group. If you've never experienced the power of a mastermind group, now is your opportunity. Join my business success mastermind group today. New cohorts are starting soon. To learn more, go to ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. Hey, before we get started, I need to apologize a little bit in advance. Uh, my guest's internet access was uh, a little sketchy, so he fades in and out with the audio, but the message is very clear. I definitely want you to hear the message and, and the things that Tom is talking about, so uh, do stay tuned and, again, apologize in advance, but I think you're going to like this episode. The Courage to Lead, episode 232. You're listening to the IB4E Coaching Podcast. Brought to you by IB4E Coaching, business coaching for executives, entrepreneurs, and small business professionals. Learn more at IB4E-Coaching.com. Hey, Coach Harlan here. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you guys are having an exceptional week. I'm having a great week, and I'm excited to introduce you to my guest today. Please help me welcome Tom Dennis. Tom Dennis has a master's degree in change, agent skills, and strategies expertise as a certified facilitator accredited by the CQ Center and as an NLP master practitioner. Tom spent 17 years as an officer in the Royal Marines and has worked extensively around the world. Tom brings all of his experience together as CEO of Serenity in Leadership and as a speaker, writer, facilitator, change agent, consultant, retreat leader, and educator. For the last 30 years, his career has been dedicated to facilitating transformation through organizational change. Tom is passionate about resolving the breadth of issues around good leadership, improving cultures, and bringing awareness to those in positions of power so they understand themselves more deeply and care about the impact they have on their people and environment. He and his team strive to bring healing and renewal in the face of dysfunctions in the workplace, remodeling cultures to help the feminine take her full place in men and women, and to balance the unhealthy masculine that pervades our institutions. It is a route to real inclusion and the elimination of abuse of power. Tom, welcome to the program. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, that's uh, that's quite a mouthful, isn't it? But uh, yeah, it kind of kind of covers it. So thank you. It does absolutely. And your background—I've been looking forward to this conversation because my background is also in organizational change. I was a management consultant for about twenty-five years in organizational change management, helping businesses. Um, to to manage the change and make sure their people understood the change and could uh, help guide them through that that change process. So I've been looking forward to this a lot. Now I know there's a myth out there that some people say people hate change. Do you believe that? Do people hate change? Uh, I, I I think people often find change difficult. Hate's a big word and. Um, you know, some change is great. You know, if you go on holiday and sit by the sea for for a, a couple of weeks, that's a change, and it's not a bad one necessarily. <laughs> um, I think when change is imposed on people uh, and they aren't prepared for it in the right way, then they are going to resist it, and hate may well come into that. So it's it's a variable thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think people don't they don't mind change, but they don't like being changed. I think if they understand the change, why it's necessary, how it's going to impact them, what the effects will be after, I think they can get on board with it. But just having something thrust on them is where the problem comes. Yeah. Yes. Particularly when it's some bright idea from somebody. Um, it's So it's it's their agenda and not anybody else's. It's, it's, right. it's, uh, it leads to tears, that one. Right. Absolutely. All right, Tom, I want to talk about all of that. I want to talk about uh, some of the things you've experienced and how that has prepared you for your role now as a CEO of Serenity and Leadership. Uh, talk about some of the things you do, the people you work with. But before we get started on all that, I've got 10 questions that I ask each one of my guests. Um, these are questions made famous on the TV show Inside the Actor's Studio, where the host James Lipton asks these same questions of his Hollywood guests from TV, film, and stage. And I figure if they're good enough for the Hollywood elite, they're certainly good enough for my guests. 
So Tom, if you're ready, 10 simple questions for you, sir. Question number one, what is your favorite word? Love. What is your least favorite word? Well, the first word that came into my mind, I don't know whether that's the right one to go for. I could, I could say artichokes because I, I never, my mother <laughs> used to love artichokes and, and the smell used to pervade the house when she cooked them. And I, it was just, I hated that smell. So let's try that. <laughs> okay. All right. What turns you on? Oh, God, lots of things turn me on. Seeing somebody's eyes light up when they have a realization that they, they, they make that, that move um, uh, in themselves as a result of something they've done or, you know, I've done. It's, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's, that, that's a beautiful feeling. Nice. All right. What turns you off? Um, aggression. I mean, you know, they, 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 they have an advertising campaign going on at the moment in the underground in London. And uh, they're, they're, they've, they've shown some fa fairly unpleasant pictures and they're giving words for people to, to, to give them courage to interfere in a safe way with uh, uh, unpleasant um so yeah th there's that <clears throat> that sense of aggression um when things are unbalanced you, you know I, I think of the the big man leaning or, or towering over and looking down on on someone who's sort of feeling very de defensive yeah. And what sound or noise do you love? I tell you what, there's two to that. I, I, th I think because I just went out this morning and I was just listening to the birds and, and it's just, I, I love hearing nature. But actually the sound that I love the most is a young baby laughing. Yes. That is just such an amazing sound. I remember it in my own children, my daughter's um, son. It, 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 now, it's just, it's an amazing sound. Love that. Yep. So what sound or noise do you hate? Um, when somebody runs their fingernails down a blackboard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Question seven. What is your favorite curse word? Favorite curse word. Um, I, I I wasn't sure quite how explicit one can be on these things, but um, uh, two round objects. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to say it. And you, I tell you what, I'll I'll say it, and if if it's not appropriate, you can edit me out. How about that? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Bollocks. Bollocks. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. All right. Uh, next question. What profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Um, I always wanted to be a barrister. Um, you know, what you'd call an, a, a, you know, the, the, the attorney that st stands up in court. I did a little bit of that when I was in the Marines uh, and I loved it. I, I loved Rep I, I like representing people, particularly the, the, those who, who uh, are um, have been put upon in some way. Um, yeah, there's too much injustice in this world. Yes, you've got the voice for it. I think you'd be a great, a great orator, a great barrister. That'd be great. Perfect, ladies um, and gentlemen of the jury. <laughs> <laughs> If it please the court. Yeah. All right. What profession would you not like to do? I'm, yeah. No. Cutting people up. That's for somebody else. It's not for me. Yeah. <laughs> With you. All right. Final question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? I see your heart. 
I've always seen your heart and whatever you've done, you've operated from that place. Welcome. Very nice. Very nice. All right, Tom, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about how you got your start. How do you got to where you are now, who you work with, how you help them. Um, definitely. We're going to talk about the feminine uh, versus the masculine energy in business. Um, and at some point transition into courage and leadership. All right. So listeners, we'll talk about all of that and more right after this. So stick with me. Imagine having a trusted group of CEOs at your disposal. Imagine having your very own peer advisory team who could work you through the problems and questions in your business before you had to make those difficult decisions. Imagine you had a group of advisors that had your back and met for the sole purpose of making you successful in your business. What would you be able to accomplish then? Well, you don't have to imagine anymore. You can have that and more when you join my Business Success Mastermind Group. Join my Business Success Mastermind Group today. Learn more at ib4e-coaching.com forward slash mastermind. And I'm back with my guest, Tom Dennis. Tom, thanks again for taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, to join us. Um, Been looking forward to this conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan. Yes. Me too. See where we go. Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot to talk about. So you spent 17 years in the Royal Marines. Uh, where were you stationed? What was your role? It's one of the beauties of, of uh, service is that uh, you don't have the same role for that long. Certainly, that's the way that uh, the Royal Marines do it. So um, where did I serve? <clears throat> My first posting was in Malta, which was a wonderful place and i spent quite a lot of time there and then uh, in cyprus um i travel around a fair amount i, I did uh, a number of tours in in northern ireland during what they they called the, the troubles um which were challenging times um i uh i worked i served in the united nations once in cyprus um and uh I was lucky enough to be sent to staff college in Canada. So um, that took me really around a, a, a large chunk of Canada um, and also into the, the, the U.S. That was, I think, the first time I visited the U.S. Um, and uh, spent a fair amount of time on, on board ship. So we sailed around, um, mostly in the Mediterranean uh, rather than further afield. Um, so yeah, yeah, the, the roles, well, um, in North Norway, yes, did some, did some tours in North Norway. So, um, I, I was, uh, I was a transport officer for a while. Um, I was a physical training officer down at, uh, Dartmouth in the, the, the Royal Naval College. It's funny, we've we've got a Dartmouth and you've got a Dartmouth and we've got a Greenwich and you've got a Greenwich. <laughs> and I served in both Dartmouth and Greenwich, but in the UK. <laughs> um, and that's where I first started um, looking at, at leadership, actually, um, when uh, working with the, the Royal Navy. So, uh, yeah. And then... Um, Doing our Arctic training up in the in, in Norway was uh, fascinating um, and challenging from for, for all sorts of reasons. Um, and uh, spent time in the in the defense ministry, fighting with ministers over what what they could say in in Parliament, um, which was uh, quite challenging at times. Yeah, I bet. I bet. So, yeah. so, when did you first get involved in change? change management? Um, actually, when I was in the Marines, um, there was a, a financial um, initiative uh, to really reconfigure the way that, that, um, that, that the whole way that uh, I, um, supplies were managed and costed uh, the, 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 before that, really, if you needed a spare part for something, you just ordered it and it came. And but th- there was a 
um, a financial accountability uh, that was introduced, which met actually quite a lot of resistance to change, as you you uh, asked earlier. So that was the first time, and then um, really when I I uh, well I don't know I, I mean the, when I when I was on the staff at, at Dartmouth and and um, uh, Greenwich, looking at people's mindsets and <clears throat> helping them to find a new way. I, we did a, a, a lot of work around the Falklands um, conflict and looking at uh, <clears throat> a lot of young naval officers who joined the Navy because the Navy actually gave them a pretty good deal of putting them through university and stuff. And I remember a number of people uh, sort of saying, but I didn't join up to go to war. Um, uh, because they saw it as a as a as a profession, um, but not one of war making. And um, there was that uh, uh, there was a, a young lieutenant who went down to the Falklands, and he wrote miserably to his parents all the way down that this wasn't what he joined up for, uh, and he was killed. And um, th these these letters were published afterwards, and there was sort of they were grist for the mill, as far as I was concerned, because uh, it, trying to get people to see, well, actually, why are you here? And what is your purpose? And of course, purpose is now uh, something that everybody talks about. Mm -hmm. um, and and uh, have you really thought this through? Because a lot of them had not. Yeah. Yeah, that's like you said, just that whole conflict of, of why are you here? What is it? I mean, you want something out of this. What what are you willing to give? And yeah, I don't think I don't think people think through that all the way. No, and in his case, it was unfortunate. Um, otherwise, it was in, in in many. So yeah, change difficult subject. Definitely. So tell me about serenity and leadership. Well. <sighs> I set up a, an organization called Phoenix Obsidian back at um, really as soon, well, fairly soon after I, I left the Marines. And um, that was really based on the, the, uh, the, the master's degree that you mentioned that I did, where, where we looked at individual group and organizational level change. And so that's how I configured the, the business. And um, it was in 2016 after I was back in the UK, because I lived in the US for, for six years, um, I, I started to, to well, I, I did a lot of introspective work on myself. So I did a number of retreats in various places. And it was this sense of serenity that um, I really admired in some leaders. Um, in particular, one of my, the, the one of the, the CEOs, CEO, the CEOs, the commanding officer of uh, one of the, the commander units that I served in, and I, I worked for this this um, this man very closely. He went on to become a general, but at the time he was a he was a colonel and a phenomenal leader. But I remember him dealing with very difficult situations with this sense of grace and serenity and it, it, it was so inspiring and so um giving giving people the space to to be themselves to a degree um being clear on what he wanted i mean there was no messing mm -hmm. but he did it in such a way that um yeah it was it was great so um Serenity. I, I, I did a retreat. Um, I spent seven days in darkness, which was which was great. It was a, it was a really good experience, um, but a, a clearly a, a, a space to um, think and to be. Uh, and I came out of that, and I I was I was it was it was um, it was just it was about six months before the before the Harvey Weinstein. Um, uh, 
scandal broke. And I, I, we'd been doing quite a lot of work on the masculine and the feminine. And I, I just thought we, we need this, this sense of groundedness and beingness in leadership because the leadership that's got us to where we are now has got us into a mess, frankly. Yes. And so we need something new. And, and so this, this idea of sereneness and, and um, control of one's ego, you can't get rid of an ego, but you can control your ego. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think most typical leadership is not in control of their ego, or they're completely unaware of it. So all of those sort of aspects came together into, well, let's, let's bring this together. Let's create an organization that aspires to help leaders be their amazing, true selves. Nice. So, Tom, tell me a little bit about who you work with and how you help them. The, the leaders you work with, what are they missing or what are they struggling with? The, 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 about 16 answers came into my head straight away. So I, I'm, I'm just trying to sift them a little. Um, I mean, w- w- one answer is that the, the pressures on CEOs um, at the moment are remarkable and different to a, a large degree, not a large degree, to, to a certain degree, because of um, the way society has changed. I think that in the past, um, organizations used to really influence the way that society thought. Uh, But I think it's a little bit more the other way around now. Society is moving faster than organizations are in in many ways. Um, and, And so the demands of the individual are so much greater. We've had the, the Great Resignation, for instance. Um, you know, the pandemic has, has, has um, enabled a lot of people to just sit back and say, what is this about, actually, really? Um, and do I want to live my life like this? And the answer has often been no. And so they've, they've said, well, what do I want and how do I get that? And um, I think a lot of organizations just haven't that that's just very difficult for them to to um to to deal with because they they haven't been used to that they've been used to dictating and now they can't so much um so that's that's one thing i I think there's there's short-termism isn't new uh, but it does produce enormous pressures on on the leaders in organizations, it, it, depending on their reporting period, whether it's, you know, a month, a quarter, or a half year or a year. Um, but this, the, the, the whole sort of theory behind uh, economics, which states that the, the, the shareholder is king. Right. Well, it's, it, it's beginning to crumble <laughs> and a lot of people are really hanging on to that. Um, but in the meantime, you know, I, I remember coaching a, um, a CEO company. He was the third that year and he was just terrified. He was, he was terrified of, of, of being descended upon as the, his two predecessors had been and um, fired. Uh, and so he was he was looking for incredibly short term changes uh which just weren't in the interest of the business yeah that's the trouble these decisions are made in in they they, they cripple any decent strategy because they're too short term yeah. and of course we see this in governments um you know politicians take very short term decisions because there's more worried about getting reelected right. than they are um, about anything else. I was listening to the radio the other day, and um, this this um, interviewer was asking um, a, a, a politician, saying, "But you know, the, the, you're 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 supposed to represent the people, and they don't like what you're doing." And the, the politician gave some rubbish answer. But actually, the real answer is, you voted me in 
to represent you to make some difficult decisions. And some of those decisions are longer than the, the term that I'm going to serve. But that's what I'm going to do because you voted me and you gave me the confidence. You had confidence in me. So just because you don't like what I'm doing now, you, you, you've got to live with that because you you voted for me as a whole person and what I represent and so, so on. I mean, we don't have to go into politics, but it's, it's this, this whole whole business of, of um, short-termism leads to grief. Yeah. Uh, and that doesn't mean to say that decision makers can't make really powerful, strong decisions in the moment. That's what they're paid for to a degree. Right. But right. they have to take responsibility for the longer term. Yeah. So that's a big pressure on on uh, on CEOs because I think some do actually see that they they need to do things beyond the, the horizon of the next week or month or something. Right. Uh, I, you know, I think there's the, the mental well being of CEOs is um, is something that. You know, a lot of people say, well, look, he's paid a hell of a lot of money. He should jolly well suck it up, <laughs> so to speak. Right. And yeah, but they're responsible for difficult decisions. So they need to be in, in the right mindset to make those decisions. And actually, there's quite a lot of mental uh, illness in CEOs now because the pressures are just so great. Absolutely. And well, you, you talk about the, the feminine, bringing the feminine back and, and trying to reduce the effects of the masculine influence. Talk to me about that, because that's to me, that's fascinating. I, I know there are cultures that were based on uh, the feminine. They were uh, in charge of the, the communities, right? They ran things. Um, a lot of cultures look to the, the women as leadership, and we've kind of gone away from that towards the masculine. And that's where things all you get the aggression, you get the um, overbearing and everything like that. Um, talk to me about that. How did you first get involved in the the feminine masculine discussion? Well, it was on those retreats really where I started to look at it and, and look at the influence because um, I, I sort of believe in the, I don't know if it's a model or whatever, but I mean, if you look at nature, it is binary largely not entirely, but largely. Um, and so the, um, the, 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 the feminine has such beautiful strengths that are so little acknowledged and yet are so needed. And if, if I bring, bring it down to practical basis, I, I remember in Northern Ireland um, during the Troubles, which were very unpleasant, times um one of the things that got the sides talking to each other was the women who one day said enough enough uh, and they they marched uh and uh, funny enough I, <laughs> it's a thought i had recently I, I've, I've said it several times now it's that actually for for a lot of men there is nothing so scary as an angry woman <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and <laughs> But it's it's like the the power of the feminine is so powerful, and it's um, I, I think I think largely being suppressed because um, the male species are actually very frightened of it, and they don't know how to manage it to suppress it. Now, I'm I'm mixing up two two. Um, metaphors is it are there metaphors um logical levels here so there's men and women and there's masculine and feminine so let's let's just stick with the masculine and the feminine because we we all have a masculine and a feminine um and i, I think that where we've gone wrong in society is that the the feminine in both men and women has been suppressed now typically you know, if you see a woman, you're more likely to see the feminine. But there are some men with a very developed feminine, and that's fine, although in certain societies, 
that's very much put down. Also remember that there's a healthy feminine, there's a healthy masculine, and there's a an unhealthy feminine, an unhealthy masculine. And um, it's the unhealthy of both that are, are um, in their supremacy, if you like, at, 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 the, at the moment. And what we need is the healthy masculine and the healthy feminine to, get, to come together because we need both. We need both. Um, and, and so, you know, leaders that can, can um, embrace both sides, and I've met one or two, but actually not that many, um, and whether they be men or women, um, they, they are incredible leaders. There's a there was an article uh, on LinkedIn today which was talking about um, how sad there's five uh, women leaders of countries who have um, lost their jobs or 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 resigned their jobs very very recently um, mm. Scotland um, uh, Finland uh, Germany. Um, New Zealand, and I, I, can't, I, I don't know the, uh, the nationality of the fifth. Um, but in their own way, each of those um, leaders, they weren't sort of, if I can use that derogatory term, city girls. They were very powerful, strong leaders, but they brought a feminine side. And we so need it. We yeah. so need it. I can't remember what your question was now, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, just Am I, what is so? Tell me, what does that it. look like in a leader? What is the uh, if they're more in touch with their their feminist side? What does that look like? The 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 feminist mentality well, in a leader. Humility. Okay. Um, compassion, empathy, um, creativity. Um, th- these are these are all strong feminine aspects um and boy do we need some compassion you know we've got political leaders around the world who are utterly totally out of touch with any sense of compassion um i mean you don't have to look further than my own government in this country who are completely out of control so um uh, and and if I go back to the this the, the colonel I was describing earlier, he had those. He had all of those um, those those attributes, and he was of a fine soldier. Um, and and so, yeah, that that they, this is this is nothing. Nothing, you know, all this nonsense about oh, be a man, you know, suck it up, um, right. only girlies cry all, all these sort of things are are they're rather pathetic actually yeah so how do you help these leaders then <laughs> overcome that because i i think they look at that as being soft right it's it's the stigma attached to bringing emotions into uh the workplace or the boardroom how do you help them overcome that 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 fear or that stigma well it's, that's an interesting question because, of course, the whole thing is who's judging them, and what what does it mean to be soft? Um, if you look at the way that um, most of the tech companies have fired people since January, I mean, there's tens of thousands have been fired from Facebook and Google and you know all the rest of them, uh, and for most people, they just turned up to work. Uh, and found an email, uh, and then you know quite often there's some some big big hefty guy who who says right you know clear your desk you're out. Yeah. What kind of organisations do that? Uh, uh, and what is the necessity for that? You know the whole mindset is just so um, sick actually. So you ask me, how do I help them? Well, as I say, the first thing is, who's judging them? Uh, and of course, the answer is themselves. Uh, so I would work with them to start to see how useful this judge 
is to them actually and how it helps develop them how it helps them make good decisions um we all have an inner voice we all have an inner judge um, and on the whole the, the best answer to that judge is your favorite swear word <laughs> yeah <laughs> get off my back or yeah. something um so uh that's the first thing uh, because you know if you're if you're the ceo of a, a business your, your job is to lead but also to surround yourself with people who do all the things that you're not so good at. Right. Now, a lot of leaders surround themselves with people who look like them. Mm. And that almost always leads to total disaster. So you need healthy conflict in the boardroom and in the, the, the C-suite. You need healthy conflict. So that means you've got to be able to stand your ground and say what you believe in. And all of those come from a, a place of inner strength. And the moment mm -hmm. you're trying to please someone else, then you're, um, you're, you're on very weak ground. Um, so um, the, there's, there's the, the courage to be yourself and to acknowledge. You know, I think for some people, you know, they, they come to work and there's this whole thing about how much of you have you actually brought to work? How much do you feel you've got to leave outside the door? And for a lot of people, that takes a lot of energy to suppress parts of themselves or to deny parts of themselves. I can't remember there was that program, was it on Netflix, where um, the, these people had a, a sort of, it wasn't a lobotomy, but it was something they inserted in their brain as a science fiction thing. And so as they arrived at work, it deleted or, or switched off all their knowledge about mm. themselves out of work. So mm. they were totally at work. And you, you see how it all goes wrong. Uh, <laughs> yeah. we, you know, we, we need people to feel good about bringing their whole selves to, to, to work. And we, it gets us into the whole conversation about inclusion. Um, uh, uh, and, and people can only feel included if they can feel that they are being themselves. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I think that I remember working with a, a C-suite, um, a, a, a you know, a group of directors, and they were they were all engineers. I think pretty much, yes, yes, they were all engineers. And we were talking about um, this was uh, in the the oil and gas industry. Can't remember exactly what we were talking about, but I I I, I said to them, "Who are the creatives in the organisation?" Because they were grumbling about everybody being the same kind of thing, something like that. And so I said, "Who are your creatives?" And they all looked a bit nonplussed. So I went up to the flip chart and I, I wrote the names of about six or seven people that I knew in the organization, but none of them were actually close to the C-suite. And the reason mm. was because the, the closer you got to the C-suite and you were someone like that, you were unacceptable right. and a, yeah. a nuisance. So they got rid of you. They fired you. And I said, this is your problem. You don't have creative conflict. All you've got is, is a bunch of people who are most likely to agree with each other. It's disastrous. Yeah. It's that old saying, if you keep doing what you've been doing, you'll keep getting what you've been getting, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so you also talk about the workplace being safe or unsafe. What is that? What does an unsafe workplace look like? Well, I'm talking about misogyny. I'm talking about bullying. I'm talking about the abuse of power, um, which again comes back to this ego thing. Um, I, I I wrote a talk over the weekend about for, for um, executive assistants, you know, the EAs and PAs, um, and the, the the title of the talk was how to deal with a difficult um, boss, um, and uh, I, I was I was looking at this the sort of the power dynamics that are expressed by an awful lot of people in the C-suite. I actually said, you know, some of these people 
um, have had management training. Some have had leadership training. And that might be why they've been promoted. But actually, there's quite a lot of people who've been promoted because they have been, quote, successful, unquote. Um, but they've done it by the sheer force of their character, which has created a lot of casualties. And this is where you get um, lots of people who uh, just count the numbers, but they don't. Th th those are the numbers on a spreadsheet. They're not the numbers of the people and the hearts and the souls of the people. And all these organizations say, oh, our most important um, <laughs> asset is our are. people. Yes. Yeah. And it's like, really? Do you really believe that? Because if you did, you would not behave in the way that you do. Right. So, um, the, the, you know, the, the world is made up of, of lot, lots of human beings apart from everything else. But I mean, the, in, the, in the human race, we get a whole sort of spread, a spectrum of people. Um, but uh, we're, we're really beginning, I mean, there's quite a lot of work, there's very recent work that's been done on this that demonstrates how, how damaging early life trauma is to people mm. and it's lived out in adulthood unless it's really well dealt with and in most people it's not well dealt with right. which means that you get um extremely dysfunctional behavior going on and there's very little regulation for it because the, the only people who used to regulate the, these people are is probably one parent or a teacher and the way that they regulated it damaged the child and so th that's what the child now grown into an adult knows and that's how they behave yeah um and so um you know one of the things when i set up actually phoenix obsidian right at the beginning was uh i i said i bring healing into business uh and and it it is this 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 um sort of approach that says let's create a place where people feel safe and you know for the people who only count the numbers if only they'd actually look at those spreadsheets they would see that where there is psychological safety there is much there are, the numbers are much better yeah and all the people who scream and shout and demand and um uh, punish people who leave before them in the, at the end of the day and all this sort of nonsense yeah. um, are ignoring actually the really well-documented statistics now that say when a place is safe, people work better. Mm -hmm. uh, and as, as, I, as we, in Serenity and Leadership, we say businesses thrive when people thrive. So let's 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 help people thrive. It's exactly. in everybody's interest. Exactly. Um, and I totally agree. And during the discussion, you talk about different types of, of courage that we talk about on the program, right? Empathetic courage, social courage, intellectual courage. Um, intellectual courage is the ability to set aside long-held beliefs and the knowledge, the old knowledge you have to make room for new knowledge, which can be scary for some people, right? To admit that they don't know. You have these executives that need to be the, the smartest person in the room. So they don't always admit that they don't know what they're doing and they're not open to listening to input from other people and stuff. So those are the different types of courage that I think leaders need to, to tap into. Uh, we also talk about the courage. Where did you find the courage to start your own business, right? Leave the comfort zone of the nine to five to create your own success. Where do you find the courage to overcome the setbacks like divorce and bankruptcy and illness and failure? For you, where did you find your courage to step out and create um, the Phoenix Obsidian and and create the um, Serenity and leadership? Where did you find that courage? It's interesting in in the military when you know people are given awards for bravery and, and you talk to them afterwards and you say that was incredibly brave, and they say, well, it didn't seem like it at the time. People don't do things because they're courageous or they think they should be courageous or anything like that they do things for much more altruistic reasons like i wanted to take care of my oppo the guy on my side 
and I, I think that's very grounding that 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 kind of yeah. thinking. And so, I certainly didn't think it, it was courageous doing what I did. I, I, I mean, when I came out of the Marines, I, I had been coaching, although people didn't talk about coaching in in terms of business at that time. Um, but that's what I'd been doing in uh, with with um, the the naval officers that I was working with, um, and I looked for an organization I, mean, I i did apply for a lot of jobs and i didn't get any interviews so um, my my idea of my worth was slightly different to anybody else's um and i i suppose i thought well i mean i'd always been an entrepreneur even when i was in the service i i um i used to i had a little job on the side a business on the side selling Personal organizers, uh, the, the, the file faxes, as they were called. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I suppose that f- from an, from an early stage, I thought, well, I, 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 I believe in certain things, and um, if I want to try and create those, then it looks like I'm going to have to do it myself. And so that's what I did. Um, and I, you know, I came out in 91. Um, and it was a it was a difficult time. Um, there was a there was a, a bit of a slump in the f- financial world and so on. Um, and it was tough. Uh, but I didn't see an alternative, actually. Um, so it's like, well, sink or swim. So I, I uh, but I, yeah, I, I think I, I should acknowledge that you know my parents, I, they were a bit of a backstop. I, I felt like if I totally failed, somehow they'd they'd um, they'd back me up, and that that sense of having someone behind me, I think, really helped. And in later life, as I was sort of in my ups and my downs. When I felt that there was someone behind me, it it helped me a lot. So whilst it looks like you do these things by yourself, quite often, even just unconsciously, you're you know you're doing it because you feel like someone's supporting you. Absolutely. Even if they're just there. Um, so I think a lot of courage comes from that. Actually, for me, definitely. So. It- at Serenity and Leadership, um, how many folks do you have working for you? How many people on your team? Well, um, I try not to employ too many people, um, and that's 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 a, that's a that's a complication I leave to a lot of the CEOs that I work with. <laughs> uh, I've got a PA, um, but we've got a small team, and um, I what I've, I've what I have got is a good network of associates. So, depending on the work that I'm doing and and the the industry, uh, I will sort of talk to the people that I think are best suited to come in and and operate as a team uh, in that in that environment. Um, and you know, on the website, you can see that they're they're a pretty diverse um, group. And mm-hmm. I love that because, um, uh, and also age-wise, I, I think that uh, we've got a lot of a lot to learn, particularly from the, the young people who are coming out of school and university at the moment who have such a different mindset. Yeah. Um, and uh, we ignore these people at our peril, so I, I try yeah. and draw them in. I always try and have an intern um, who's sort of in their early 20s who – can look at me and say, "You're what you're talking about. It's all rubbish." Yeah. <laughs> Something like that, which I think is always a very good, healthy, healthy challenge. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, I had well. somebody on the podcast uh, a few weeks ago uh, talking about generational diversity. How you know a lot of companies will lose some of their older folks, thinking we'll bring the newer folks in. They cost a little bit less. We'll get this, but you lose a lot of that. Uh, the knowledge born over over the years of working in the industry and stuff. So I think you have to have the balance, right? That uh, we we talk about other diversity, but I think the generational diversity is important too to get all the different perspectives in. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's sad that um, what was that that 
film, that wonderful film, The Intern, where mm. um, I, I can't remember the 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 actor now, but you know, his company, where he's far older than everybody else, uh, and uh, it's a uh, it's it's well, at least he had the chance, you know. <clears throat> I think that there's um, I, I see a lot of sort of executives in the, in their forties who discount anyone who's older than them. And of course, partly that's because those people remind them of their father and who wants to work with your father? <laughs> Not many people. So, um, you know, they, but again, that's something to work with, you know, when you're working with executives is what are you projecting onto other people and um, what do you need to own yourself? All these kind of really interesting questions. Sure. So yeah, don't, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There's some, there's some, you know, experience counts for a lot. And in organizations where things are moving so fast, quite often it's useful to, to, to hear someone say, well, actually, we've tried it. Now, yeah. it's not so they say, we've tried it, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to fail. No, that's not what right. I mean. But if somebody says, we've tried it, and this is what we learned last time. Ding, 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 right. ding, ding. So let's try not to make the same mistakes again. Um, and let's not, because just reinventing the wheel each time, which so many executives feel like they've got to do because they've got to make their mark. You know, that's right. one of the great challenges as a consultant. If, you, if you're going to do a, a change project, you know, change in an organization is going to take years. It's going to take at least right. three years. Some people yes. say at least five. Um, so you need courage to go into that kind of project um, as a CEO. But also, you've got to have somehow the willingness to set this up in such a way that if you leave as a CEO, the new one can't come in and just destroy all right. the initiatives and everything um, because he thinks he's got or she think they've they've got a better idea. Yeah. You know, it's 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 yeah. a it's a real problem that that um, uh, people feel they've got to make this gets back to the short termism. They they feel like mm -hmm. they've got to make a mark now, and right. um, you, you know, if you if you see a CEO who says, "Right, I, I've just taken over. I'm now going to listen and observe for the next three months. I'm not going to come up with any bright ideas at all." hallelujah you know let's yes let's have more that's of that. rare that's very rare i've seen projects go off the rails because somebody new came in and take over and didn't like what the other person was doing or didn't understand and said i have my own way of doing it we're starting it this way and it just wipes out all the progress you made yeah and mm. you know the it, the sad thing is that these these things are always done with the best intentions even if it's just to satisfy your own ego <laughs> right exactly <laughs> Exactly. Oh dear! So, so you, got you know it. that's another thing that we can work with. You know, when you're working with the the, the C-suite or the CEOs, is you know, what's your time scale and what's important right. to you and what's important to the organization, and how can you have a positive impact that lasts beyond your own term here? You know, yeah. kind of questions that people don't tend to ask themselves. I mean, that's why you get a coach, isn't it? Yes, hopefully, yes. That's why they get a coach. So you have a few people working for you and you've got a team that you can draw from. And I'm sure in your, your other past lives, you've had people working for you and stuff. If I was to bump into any of them and ask them what type of leader you are, what would they tell me? What kind of leader are you? <laughs> so they would say, um, I would say that he, he's a good man. He cares a great deal. Um, sometimes he struggles to make important decisions in the right time frame. He's passionate about what he believes in and his purpose. He loves his clients. He's good at putting words together. And he wishes that he could work and he could work his magic on more organizations because that really makes a positive difference to them. Very nice. What do you look for in a leader? 
humility, um, a sense of vision, a purpose, the willingness, which is part of humility, to to uh, accept what he or she is good at and what they're not so good at, and the ability to surround themselves with people who have those strengths. So that leader never feels like they've got to do it all themselves. They're really curious about people, and they have a real sense of the wider system in which they sit. And that includes <clears throat> the birds outside, the trees, uh, um, and the impact that that organization is having far beyond just the, 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 the customer at the door. Um, I love Patagonia as an organization. Their willingness yeah. to to really reveal everything that they're doing and and their suppliers and what the suppliers are doing. Uh, yeah. um, and and by the way, going back to the question, a communicator, someone who is prepared to speak their truth, always. Excellent. Very nice. With respect. Yeah. Yeah. But respect, humility. Back. Yep. Good yeah. deal. All right, I, awesome. I, it's a big question. So I, I, yeah. I have to build up. <laughs> no, it's, it is a big question. And um, uh, yeah. And we could talk about this topic for hours. I'm pretty sure because I'm with you hundred <laughs> percent. Tom, this has been this has been amazing, and I would love to have you back to talk more about uh, the feminine versus masculine. I think it's a, a great topic, especially nowadays. I think people are understanding that humility and empathy go a lot further, you know, in in business than just the the overbearing, driven, you know, executive. So, love to talk more about that. Um, if people want to get in touch with you and find out more about what you do and, and uh, maybe how to reach you for uh, speaking engagements, if they want to uh, look at some of the programs you have going, how could they do that? What, what's the, what's your website? Um, the website is serenity in leadership or one word, uh, .com. Um, we have our retreat coming up in September for leaders who actually really want to, explore themselves and see what is driving them, which is going to be an amazing experience. And that's leadingthroughthevoid.com, leadingthroughthevoid. Nice. Uh, and um, if they look on, uh, on YouTube or um, Spotify or whatever, um, we've got a lot of uh, video uh, podcasts. And uh, so if they search for some serenity in leadership on um on uh, youtube they'll, they'll find that you can look me up on linkedin tom t-h-o-m dennis d-e-n-n-i-s um and uh, i'd love to link up with people and and hear what their challenges are I'm, I'm really always interested to hear what's going on in different organizations the the more i understand the more help i can be for uh, people who want to uh, develop their team or themselves. Um, you know, I, I love coaching. I love facilitating. If, if, they, if they're going away on an offsite, um, <clears throat> take me with you. It's going to be an awful lot better meeting <laughs> with a good facilitator yes. there. <laughs> nice. Very cool. Well, Tom, I'll make sure that all those links are in the show notes so everybody knows how to get in touch with you and, and follow you and, and keep in contact. Um, Thank you. And Mark. again, I, I appreciate you. you being on. Thank you so much. Well, I hope to see you again. And thank you for, thank you for, for giving me this space. I really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. All right, listeners, hope you guys were taking a lot of good notes. A lot of information here uh, about leadership, what it takes to be a good, strong leader, um, and to, to understand what it means, the difference between the feminine and, and the masculine when it comes to uh, leadership. I think that's an important topic. So uh, yeah, hope you're taking notes. Share this episode with your family, friends, and colleagues, and stick around. There's always more coming. 
That's it for me, Coach Harlan saying so long for now.